Prost. Slancha. Salud. Ulsik. Kanpai. Cheers. The languages may be vastly different, but the sentiment remains the same and signals for everyone in the vicinity to take a sip of whatever is in their personal drinking vessel. We are weak, people. Only a small baby sip? If this was the 4th century, we would be shunned, and worse, uninvited to Plato and Socrates' Math and Science Day Bash. My name is Jeremy Schaus, and this is Let's Take It Back, a podcast that uncovers and discusses the origins of society's favorites. This is the last episode of this three-part series we have embarked upon, dedicated to beer, St. Patrick's Day, and finally, let's take it back. When you're bleeding in the sand, don't let your courage fade. When life deals you a bad hand, throw hand grenades. This toast was overheard by soldiers the night before they were to take part in one of the largest single attacks in world warfare history, codename Operation Overlord, or D-Day. The toast was meant to ease soldier nerves and to offer a glimpse of hope before the glooming battle. Toasts like these have been uttered by millions of people to millions more for various reasons and for a diverse range of occasions. But how did this act begin and for what purpose? To toast was to drink and to drink was to toast. In previous centuries, many toasts would be given during a single event in order to promote heavy drinking. You would toast to the king or ruler, to each guest, to absent friends, to forgotten lovers, to soldiers, to the gods, to crops grown, to crops not grown, to mothers, to fathers, and even Prince Regent George IV, who snapped off the stems of wine glasses so that users were unable to put their glasses down in order to promote finishing the glass as quickly as possible. This gave rise to the wine tumbler, which now has a flat bottom, but that's for another day. To begin, we will discuss the ancient Greeks, who not only believed in enhancing the human mind with astronomy, math, and literature, but also by getting those creative juices flowing with lots of drinking in 4 BC. Greeks drank mostly wine, and were one of the first civilizations to record stages of drunkenness. The Greek poet and statesman Eubulus wrote about such stages after observing a party in which multiple craters of wine were drunk. For reference, a crater is the size of the modern-day punch bowl, meant to be shared with others. Eubulus states that after three craters of wine, the wise guests go home. Continuing to drink more craters leads to nothing but trouble. The fifth, he says, and I'm quoting here, leads to yelling, the sixth to prancing about, and the seventh to black eyes. The eighth brings the police, the ninth vomiting, and the 10th insanity and hurling the furniture. I'd probably leave after Crater 6. I'll dance about, but I'm staying away from some black eyes. If we were to dissect that last passage, the Greeks enjoyed their drink and possibly even saw drinking parties as competitive drinking games, which began with a simple toast, in which participants poured out a portion of their drinks in honor of the gods. Fast forward to the first century BC, and the Senate within the Roman Empire decrees that at every meal, citizens will drink to the health of Emperor Augustus. Fast forward a little more, and the first toast in England took place in 450 CE, at a feast for the British king Vortigern. During the feast put on by Hengist, the leader of British Saxon allies, Hengist's daughter Renwin 
offered a goblet of wine to Vortigern and stated, Lord King, was hail, or good health to the king, in which then they both drank. This could explain the link between toasting and drinking to good health, but another explanation seems more plausible. Side note, it is said that Vortigern was so amazed and moved by this toast that he proposed to marry Wenwin. See, it doesn't take an extravagant toast, or many words for that matter, to fall in love. <clears throat> Sorry, that was kind of cheesy. Anyways, moving right along. To generate a more possible meaning to the connection between toasting and drinking to one's health, we must move to 1602, when The Merry Wives of Windsor was published by William Shakespeare. In this literature, Shakespeare describes an act that became commonplace while drinking, and that is to toss a piece of spiced or charred toast into a cup or bowl of wine in order to enhance the wine's flavor. In the play, the character Falstaff calls for a quart of wine, then adds, and I'm quoting here, put a toast in it. The toast would react to the high amount of acidity and bring out better flavors that were unachievable in the early winemaking process. In the 18th century, the word toast evolved from throwing toast in wine to referring to the person being honored by the toast, hence the phrase, toast of the town. Eventually, toasting no longer resonated with chugging what was left in your cup, but more on eye contact between the toaster and the toastee, accompanied with a simple sip. Toasting and cheersing also became synonymous with each other, with the toast being a word or phrase and the cheers representing the clinking or raising of glasses. It can be seen as rude if one either does not hold up their glass or does not take a sip of their drink post-toast, and the most common toasts refer to good luck or good health. Considering the self-quarantine society we are all currently living in, I'd say a toast is in order. As everyone raises their glasses, I'd like to share a traditional Irish toast. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. Special thanks to National Geographic and Britannica. Cheers to everyone out there. Be safe and wash your hands. My name is Jeremy Schaus, and this has been Let's Take It Back. <laughs>